We are right in the middle. Uh, uh, that's a lie. A bold-faced lie from the devil. We are right at the beginning um, of a series uh, called Drowning. And that'll make more sense later in the message, but it's called Drowning. God is greater than mammon. And uh, this, this series is going to be very practical. It's going to transition to very practical, a lot of wisdom, a lot of principles behind uh, money, wealth, and possessions, a lot of God's ways and God's thoughts about how to be wise. And the power of God's wisdom, his truth, and his principles is they will add value to your life, whether you believe in God or not. That's the power of God's word. Uh, that there, there will be so much value added. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor or you're young or you're old. It doesn't really matter where you are in life that this series is going to add value to your life. And we're going to transition to that wisdom, those principles, that, that practicality. Part of it, before we get there, we really have to understand where we are starting when it comes to our perspective on finances or mammon in general. Mammon is money, wealth, and possessions. It's, it's anything that's under that that, that cloud of mammon, uh, at where we are, where, where our heart is to that, where our mind is to that, what path we're on when it comes to that. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. And, and I want to go ahead and warn you, I, want, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to break some people free this morning. Uh, and, and, and that freedom, I think, it's not going to be uh, uh, an easy freedom. Like it, it's going to be potentially a convicting, maybe even painful in some ways, but it will result in joyful freedom if you would just allow the Holy Spirit to take you there this morning. Um, and, and, and I want to, I mean, it's going to be a little bit different than the first service. I'm actually cutting out a whole, a whole part. And I, I just want to start with this, this one proverb in Proverbs 3, uh, where Solomon, uh, in his wisdom and in his power, he challenges us. And he, when he says, when it comes to wealth, when it comes to possessions, he says, honor God with your possessions. Honor God with your wealth. Honor God with your mammon. And, and then he says some other really cool stuff that we will get to later in the series. But I think that it is important that you understand your starting point when it comes to money, wealth, and possessions. Because there is only two places that you can start in your financial life at the end of the day. There's only two places you can start. You can start with God or you can start with the mammon, with the money, with the wealth and with the possessions. And, and the Bible, in, in so many different places, in so many different ways, lays out the significant difference in, in those two different paths. Starting with God, I think for a believer, for someone who believes in God and has put their faith in Jesus, everything in your life has got to start with God. If any area of your life doesn't start with God, God is the foundation, God, his thoughts, his ways, who he is. If it, if it doesn't begin with God, it is not going to end well. And, and finances and money and wealth and possessions and all that is mammon, for so many of us, we do not start with God. We start with the possessions. We start with the money. We start with the wealth. We start with the possessions, and we choose that path. And over time, we invite God to come along with us on the path that we're chasing, but we don't start with God. We start with the possessions, and there is a very distinct difference in starting with the possessions, with the money, with the wealth, with the income, with the paychecks, with the savings, with the investment, than starting with God and allowing God uh, to build uh, your finances for you, his way with his thoughts and his ways. All right, and, and there is a distinct difference. There was a term last week, and I'm going to fly through this, and I would just challenge you if, if for some reason this doesn't sit well with you, that you would read and study the Bible and see that I am right. 
All right, but last week in, in, the, in the middle of, the, of that sermon, in the middle of that message, there was, a, there was a, an odd scripture that people have struggled with between the treasures on earth, treasures in heaven, and the serving God and serving man. And a lot of people call it the bad eye scripture. Does anybody remember the bad eye scripture? All right, it's the weird one. Do you remember it or you just don't remember it? Do you have, you have the memory of a 97-year-old woman? Do you remember it? Raise your hand. I got all day. It says treasures in heaven, treasures on earth, serving God, serving man. Right in the middle of that was a healthy eye and a bad eye. Do you remember that? Who was here last week? Do you remember that or you don't remember that? Do you remember? Wake up. Do you remember? It's very important that you remember. Do you remember the bad eye? The reason that you don't remember the bad eye is because it didn't mean anything to you. Okay? And let me explain why. Because it's a super confusing scripture. If you don't, that was a game, by the way. For those of you that raised your hand and remembered, you are the teacher's pet, the overachievers, and everyone else hates you. I just want you to know that. All right, the reason why you don't remember is because it, it, it's a difficult one to gather because it, it, it doesn't speak. It's very clear. Treasures in heaven, treasures on earth. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And uh, you can't serve two masters, can't serve God, can't serve mammon. Super easy to understand. The, the middle one, that's an odd one. And the reason it's an odd one is because there's a saying in there called the bad eye. And Jesus makes a statement. He goes, if your eye is bad, uh, then, and then it, the darkness, darkness all in your body, and it's just really bad, paints a really horrible, deadly, horrible picture. And you know that it has something to do with finances because you've got a financial mammon scripture ahead of it, treasures in heaven, treasures on earth, and you've got one right behind it, serving God, serving mammon. So you, you know logically, you know that this has something to do with finance, has something to do with resources, uh, but you don't really know. But the reality of it is, is that term, you have a bad eye, or is your eye bad, that is a, a very normal saying. It's a saying in this day and age, and it's always connected to mammon. Uh, and I, I just want to read you a scripture really, really fast. I don't have time to go through the whole thing. I wasted too much time in the first service on this, but there's a parable. You remember the parable. Uh, I, I, this is, you don't have to raise your hand. This isn't a memory game again. You remember the parable? Uh, how do you not say that? How, do you know a parable? Do you, do you remember the parable that, that Jesus tells? And he says, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a field. And it says, he goes out at, at the morning time and he says, I want to pay you a denarius if, if you will go work in the field. All right. And the denarius, is a, it's a form of money. You know the parable I'm talking about? Kingdom of heaven is, is like that. And, and he goes, so he goes in and he works all day. Well, at noon, he goes back out and he finds another round of people. And he says, hey, he says that, that I'll pay you a denarius if you will go in and you will work from noon until sundown. And then an hour before he goes out and he gets a few more people. And he says, hey, if you will go in and work this last hour, I will give you a denarius. And so when he go uh, at sundown, he comes out to pay everybody. He pays the last ones first and he gives them a denarius. And the ones that worked all day, see, the ones that only worked an hour receive a denarius, and they begin to think to themselves, surely I will get more. Surely he will pay me more because I worked all day despite what we agreed upon. I know that, that he'll give me more. I deserve more. I earned more. I worked longer, I, and I get this amount. I need more. But then when it came to pay them, he only gave them a denarius. That was what they agreed upon. And they begin to complain and, 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 and argue with the owner and fight back with the owner of the field and say, this isn't right. This isn't just. Uh, you, 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 we worked all day. They only worked an hour, uh, and we made the same amount. That doesn't make any sense to my little human mind. This is wrong. This is evil. This is wicked. And then Jesus says, this is what the response was. Now, I'm going to read this response to you. It says, uh, but he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give uh, to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? 
All right, so that Jesus' response or the owner's response uh, is, is that it, it's my field, it's my money, it's my denarius. Me, me and you, we struck a deal. I said, well, you work all day for a dollar. You thought it was a good idea. You accepted it, and you worked, and I paid you what I said I was going to pay you. Well, that's fair. That's just. That's right. It's my money. Why can't I uh, do what I want with it and be good to people? I'm, I'm being good. I'm showing grace and mercy to this, this fellow that only worked an hour, and I gave him a denarius. How was that bad? That was the, 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 the response. But in that last scripture, uh, do, or do you begrudge my generosity? Right, just real quick, raise your hand if you have an actual physical Bible in your hand and you're reading the scripture along with me. Okay, I want you to look next to the actual physical Bible in there. You'll see an asterisk or, or something signifying something about this scripture. It'll be like a little letter next to it or in front of it or under it, a little asterisk. Raise your hand if you see that little asterisk. Hear all the flipping? That means they weren't there. Raise your hand if you see the asterisk. I'm going to see somebody. One person sees it. Anybody else? See a little asterisk or a little letter, a little ABC or one, two, three, or a little asterisk or something signifying. Raise your hand. There's no one. There's no one. Okay, I just want you to know I'm not lying. Okay? You'd be surprised how many times I come up here and read scripture and tell you what it says in the original language if people email me and go, that's not what it says in the King James Version. It's because King James isn't God. All right? The Bible's been written for two thousand years. Some of it's been written for thousands and thousands of years. New Testament has been written for 2,000 years, and it was in Greek and Aramaic, and there was a powerful language. So it, just because it doesn't say it in the King James doesn't mean it's not. So I don't want anybody to send me any emails, but you understand what they've done is, is they've translated the meaning of this rather than what he says word for word, because what he says doesn't make any sense to our culture. Does that make sense to everybody? All right, so I'm going to read it what he says word for word, and I want, I want you to see this, this, this word. This is Matthew uh, 20, 13 through 15. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or is your eye bad because I am good? All right, this term, bad eye, having a bad eye, is your eye bad, your, your eye is bad, my eye is bad. This is a saying, this is a term, and it is always, always connected to some form of man and money, wealth, or possessions. And what this term means when you say that that guy has a bad eye or that woman has a bad eye or, 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 or they have a bad eye, what it's saying is, is that they are either discontent, uh, covetous, or entitled to something concerning finances, money, wealth, or possessions. Always. That's what it means. Does that make sense? All right. So I, I, want, you, I, want, I want you to understand something. When, it, when he's saying that you have a, if your eye is healthy, you can see, what do the eyes help you do in life? This isn't a spiritual answer. A, what do the eyes help you do in life? See, all right, there's a lot of light in this room, right? There, I mean, there's a decent amount right now. It looks like the sun is shining on me. The, these spotlights are so bright, all right? But if I'm blind, if my eye is bad, even in the light, what is it still to me? dark. Now imagine if we turned all these lights off, even if your eyes are good and can see, it's still what? So when Jesus makes the statement, if, if the lamp, if, if the eye is bad, even in the light you see darkness, how much greater is the darkness if your eye is bad? You following me? 
So what it's saying is if your eye is good, then you can see where you're going. You can see the path that you're on. You can see when a cliff comes up. You can see when there's a trap. You can see when there's an angry little bear about to rip your face off. I'm just assuming you guys are hiking in the mountains or whatever it is that you do. Like if, if you have good eye, you, you can see that. But if you have a bad eye, you can't see the trap. You can't see the cliffs. You can't see the, the holes in the ground. You can't see the bears coming after you. You can't see the things in life. And even if you're in light, it's dark. But if you are in darkness, how much greater is the darkness in your life? What Jesus is saying and teaching between the treasures in heaven and the treasures on earth and the serving God and serving mammon is that if you have a discontentment in your life towards finances, towards possessions, towards wealth, if you have a covetous, uh, if you have an entitlement to it, if you are dissatisfied well, with the things that you have and out of that dissatisfaction, out of that discontentment, out of that covetous, out of that, that, that entitlement to something that is not yours, that if you, you, you have that in your heart and in your mind and you shift over there that's having a bad eye and if you have a bad eye you will not be able to see the path that you were supposed to go on that you will find yourself in darkness and you won't have a shot because the darkness will get even darker because you couldn't see even if it was light you with me so he, he's taking the concept of, of discontentment and, and, and dissatisfaction with the life that God gave you uh, and the finances and the possessions and the wealth and, and all that is mammon. And he's saying that, that if you have a bad eye, if you are discontent, covetous, entitled to that, and that's a, that's a founding part of your life and that's a positional way that you're living your life, that you will, you will struggle uh, heavily in life to live outside of constant darkness, that you will not know where to go. This is a severe, deep spiritual consequence for this in life. And this is what Jesus said. So through the course of this message, and this is going to be different. There's a lot of scripture and I'm teaching a lot because I want us to start this series understanding where we really are and the consequences and the damages of starting with possessions first rather than God. And I want you to ask yourself this question right now. And by the end of the message, I want you to answer it. Is your eye bad? Is your eye bad? Is there a discontentment in you for any reason concerning your, your, your money, your wealth, your possessions? You aren't satisfied with what God has given you in life. You're covetous. Now, covetous and jealousy are two different things, even though they're very synonymous. They're two different things. You cannot uh, covet what is never yours. Right? You can be jealous. Oh, I can be jealous of my wife because she's my wife. But if, I, if I'm yearning or I, I'm hungry for uh, someone that is not my wife, then I'm coveting my neighbor's wife. Does that make sense? I can be jealous over my shoes because they're my shoes. If you steal my shoes and you take my shoes away and run away, you better run fast. But if you take my shoes... I can be jealous for them, jealous over them because they're mine. They were mine at one point. But if you've got cool shoes on and I want to take your shoes, I want your shoes. They were never my shoes. They're your shoes. Now I'm coveting. So if you want a life that you don't have right now, uh, you, don't, you, you, you haven't worked for it, you haven't gathered it, God hasn't given it to you, but you see somebody else's life and you want that life and you feel entitled to that life and you start to have a plan in your heart to get that life, that's a life of covetous. Right? Let me break it down to you. So, so if you're, you're, a little, you're a little young thing and you're growing up, you're going to high school and you're watching the rap videos and the rock videos and, 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 and you're falling in love with all these little idols of your heart and, and you start to feel like in your life that that's what I want. I want money and, and I want riches and I want, I want Cadillacs and I want rims and I want this and I want that and I want to, well, well, you know, that's just what you want. One, most of the time you look stupid. Two, you are beginning a, a life of covetous. 
You're beginning a life of chasing something that God did not give you, chasing something that you think you are entitled to. You're chasing something because you are discontent and dissatisfied with the life God has already given you. You don't want it. You want something different. You're not satisfied with where you are. You need more. You want more. And it doesn't really matter how you arrive at that place. Some people arrive there because of image issues. Some people think I've got to have the car and the house and the job and the income. I've got to be able to go on the vacations and spend the money so that people will think I'm successful. People will think that I'm great. People will think that I'm smart. People will go. It doesn't matter how you arrive there. I've met people with power issues. They want to be in control. They want to have power and, and, and money and more money and more possessions. That's, the, that's the, uh, the vehicle to get that. It doesn't matter how you arrive in a state of having a bad eye. It doesn't matter whether it's a, a, a negative, a full out sin thing, or an idol of the heart. It doesn't matter how you arrive at being discontent or covetous or entitled or chasing something that God has not given you and you start to lay the groundwork to obtain something that you don't have. It doesn't matter how you get there. It just says if you get there and you've got a bad eye and that's the foundation of how you're living your life and you're starting with possessions and money and wealth rather than God, then there is a distinct path that you're choosing to take. A path that will ultimately lead to your destruction. And that's what I want to talk about today. The path. That path that most of us most of us, that is the foundation of our financial life. We've made it, we've built it, we, we started out of a covetous. We started yearning for something that we don't have. We started being discontent with what we have. And the Holy Spirit tells us of the massive danger of this in 1 Timothy. I want to read this to you. But godliness, Paul's talking about contentment and discontentment. It's the same subject, same concept. He's breaking down the practicality of it and he's showing you how that darkness gets so dark so quick in your life. If you start with finances and you have a bad eye and you're, you're laying the groundwork, he goes, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. I think the vast majority of people, your entire life would be better if you would just stop being so foolish and understand the truth and the reality of something nobody can argue with. That you came in a little fat, chubby, naked baby and you will leave a little fat, chubby, naked old person. That's life. All right. You came with nothing. You'll leave with nothing. All right, you came, you started with nothing, you will end with nothing. You started the race with nothing, you will end. When it comes to, to the middle ground, the possessions, the money, the wealth, it doesn't matter what you obtain, what you acquire, what you get, you cannot take anything else with you. I am confident, even if you did not believe in God or give your faith to Christ, it will be a horrible eternity for you. But even if you chose not to do those things and just understood the power of this one sentence and lived according to that reality that you came with nothing and you leave with nothing, your life would be 10 times better than it is right now. You would understand the value of things so much better right now. And you can't argue with that reality. There is no logic, there is no wisdom, there is no knowledge, there is no religion, there is no philosophy, there is nothing. Once you are smarter than a two-year-old, this reality should be a dictating factor in your life. You came with nothing, you leave with nothing. But so many of us foolishly, sinfully, arrogantly waste our entire life acquiring things that we can't take with us and we don't even have the wisdom or the knowledge or the human intelligence to ask ourselves why.
And I am confident that in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to, my God, uh, uh, the Spirit, not me, is going to spit in the face of American society. And it's going to hurt. And you're going to want it not to be you. And you're going to want to try to justify it. And you're going to want to, but it's you. And you need to let the Holy Spirit get you to this place so that he can heal you and free you from the foolishness that we have given to our lives. So you don't pass this down to your children and cause them to waste their life too. You brought nothing, you take nothing. And then he moves on, he goes, but those, but those who desire to be rich, but those, but those, meaning that there is godliness and contentment, there is being content, there is starting with God, being satisfied with God, and allowing God to be the foundation of our life, being content with God and what he's given us, then there's those, meaning everybody else that's not there, meaning everybody else that has a sense of discontentment towards their finances, their wealth, and their possessions. Everybody that's got a bad eye. Everybody that's got a covetous. Everybody that's chasing an image. Everybody that feels entitled to something more, greater, bigger than what God has given you. Uh, you have godliness and contentment, which is great gain. He goes, and this is what life should be like because we can bring nothing into the world. We'll take nothing with us. And he goes, this is what it should be, but those, but everybody else. But who I was for most of my life. But who you were for most of your life. But those who desire to be rich. I need you to understand that desire, that word, that this is not, there's two, there's several types of desire, but there's two distinct ones that come up in this very scripture. One of the desires, the one that we think about the most is the one that just kind of rises up in us. It just kind of, the best way and the easiest way to make this one clear is when, when a man is attracted to a woman. Women are attracted to men too, but I, I've just never experienced that. All right. So when a man is, when something, when I saw my wife for the first time, you know, I, all this, like, she has a really good personality. All right, she was walking away from me. She was 20 yards away. I could not see her personality. <laughs> but I could see her walking away. And I liked it. Just something, I didn't just go, hey, I am intellectually going to be attracted to that, and I'm going to figure out how to be. No, it was just like, I'm riding down the road with my buddy, and I'm like, who is that? It just rises up in you. That's not what this is. That's not what this type of desire is. This type of desire, this is a mental, uh, intellectual decision that you make in your mind. The, the literal definition of this word desire, it means an intentional plan with resolve. It's a predetermined determination for whatever you've set your eyes on. It, there is an intentionality to it. There is it, literally the, one of the words is planning. It, there's a connection to planning. It is the intentional planning with determination, with full resolve to obtain whatever it is, in this case, riches. And the word riches just means an abundance of mammon, an abundance of resources, an abundance more than enough money, wealth, and possessions. So I want to read this to you uh, with that in mind so you can understand. But those who intentionally plan with determination to be overflowing with many resources, that's who he's talking to. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands, all right, but I, I want you to really ask yourself this question. Is this your life? Is there an intentional Plan with determination and resolve to acquire more than you need. 
connected to any form of discontentment, covetous, or entitlement. You're starting with possessions. And you say, I, I, I want more. I need more. I want a better car. I want a better house. It doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter why. I need more money. I need this. Is, I want to intentionally, this is how I'm going I'm to make my decisions. I'm going to have resolve. Uh, this is how I'm going to pick my career. This is how I'm going to pick my path. This is how I'm going to pick my choice. This is when it comes to decision making and investments and savings. All that concerns mammon and money management. I've got a plan together because I want more of it. I want more than enough of it. This is my heart. This is my mind. This is what I want to do in life. This is where I want to go. A lot of times we call this being wise, but it's not. It's wicked and evil, sinful, and it'll take us far away from where God wants us to go. If you start here, if you start with God, it's a whole different picture. But if you start with possessions and that, that, that starting point is discontentment, dissatisfaction with what God has given you, a sense of covetous or entitlement, wanting something that is not yours, wanting something that God has not given you, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. If this is, this is the life that you, I want more and I'm going to put a plan together to get more and this is going to be the decision and deciding factor in the way that I live my life so that I can have more than I need forever. And there's no ending point to that. Just in your mind and your heart, raise your hand. Be honest with yourself. And let, me, let me give you a practical example. When you go to make big life decisions, when you're going to college to pick your career and to pick your, your thing, what was the, 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 the deciding factor? What was the biggest point? Was it, was it truly, God, I want to know where you want me to go. I want to know what you want me to do. Whatever you want for me, that's what I want. I want your will, not mine. I want to go down your way. That's what I want in life. And if I'm rich, great. And if I'm poor, great. I just want whatever it is that you want me to do. Or did you say when you were a teenager because your parents told you to constantly that you need to go to college and you need to get a thing so you can get a good job so you can make the most money. And so you were looking at what can I go do uh, to, to, to make the most money or to get the most thing or to be the most stable or to do this or to do that. What's your life? Don't raise your hand. When it comes to decision making and affordability, do you buy things that you really cannot afford because it somehow brings you pleasure, joy, or builds up the image or the success thing that we've talked about sometimes? What's the why behind it? What's the foundation of the decisions that you make, the direction that you go? It's totally okay to drive a $100,000 car, but why are you driving a $100,000 car? It's totally okay to live in a huge house, but why are you living in a huge house? It's totally okay to save and invest and to grow your wealth. It's totally okay to do that, but why are you doing that? What's the driving force? Where did you start? What, 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 what's the thing that pushes you? Because he says if there is an intentional plan with resolve to get more and it's connected to any way to form of discontentment, uh, covetous, chasing something that isn't yours, discontent with life, entitlement, any of that, it's taking you down a very specific path. And this is what that path looks like. He goes, if this is your life, if these are the way that you're living, if this is decisions, if this is, this is the way you've raised your children, this is the way you were raised, this is how you've dictated, this is why you went to college, this is why you got a job, this is the why. At the end of the day, it was all about money, wealth, and possessions. It was all about stability. It was all about being okay. It was all about making things easier. It was all about the good life. It was all about the American dream. It was all about the image. It was all about the power. It was all about what, whatever it is that drove you to this. This is the thing that, he goes, this is the life I need you understand this is the path he goes you will fall into temptation you will fall into traps and you will fall into many senseless foolish and harmful desires not if 
win. And there are no exceptions to the rule. I need you to understand this. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking something powerful and I want you to be with me. I want you to hear this, especially when we get to the end of just a minute. If this is the foundation of your life, if you're starting with wealth, starting with possession, starting with, with, with money, starting with the income, starting with the paycheck, this is what life is. This is what life's about. I need it. I want it. Doesn't matter why. I'm, I'm discontent. I'm covetous. I want a certain level. I want a certain thing. I want to obtain a certain income. I want to get here. I want to be more. It doesn't matter how you arrive there, but if you arrive there and you begin to lay out the, the plan and the game plan and the work and the path and the strategy to acquire more and your why is anything connected with the bad eye, connected with the discontentment, connected with the covetous, the entitlement, or anything around it, any unhealthy reason, sinful reason, doesn't matter. If that's where you are, these things will be in your life. You will fall into temptation. You will fall into one very specific deadly trap, and you will fall into senseless and harmful desires. The reason temptation will become prevalent in your life is because when this is your life, uh, there's so uh, many more uh, temptations. You, you cannot be tempted by something that you don't already want to do. Uh, if you're tempted, if something is a true temptation, it's because you already want to do that wicked, evil, sinful thing. The enemy just gives you the opportunity to do it. See, a lot of times we view temptation like he's putting some kind of desires in us. He's not putting any desires in us. He's laying out a temptation for something he already knows you desire. It starts within you. There's so much more opportunity when this is your way of life to be greedy, to have idols of the heart, to be selfish, to build up, to not give, to not support the kingdom of God, to steal, to cheat, to take, to lie to backstab, to get involved in the political stuff at work and job as you climb the career because this is the plan and all this stuff. There's going to be so many more temptations of someone who is discontent, covetous, and entitled when it comes to mammon. And I'll explain the why in just a minute. Second thing he says, you will fall into a snare. You will fall into a trap. And the thing about a trap, and I need you to understand this, the thing about a trap is you don't know what's a trap until you're dead. Animals don't know that this, this word is always connected to an animal trap. The little bird that's sitting on the branch that sees the little food. He, he doesn't know it's a trap. He's a dumb little bird. He just sees the food on the ground. He's like, look at all this food that someone piled up on the ground for me. This is going to be a good day. I'm not even going to have to dig in the ground for worms and eat nasty little rodents. They just made me a big pile of food over there. I'm going to feed my family with it. It's going to be a good thing. And he flies on down there, gets under the trap. The net comes up, and then he gets boiled and eaten later. <laughs> you don't know what's a trap. I tried to make that as funny as I could because the next statement isn't funny at all. This is what you're doing with your life. This is what you're doing with your marriage. This is what you're doing with your kids. This is what you're doing. This is the path that so many of us have chosen. We've chosen to walk into a trap and we think that it's going to be good and we think it's going to be good for us and we think that more money is better and we think that life is going to be easier and life is going to be more comfortable and we're sitting there and we're enjoying it and we don't know that it's a trap until the moment that it closes down and now we are dead. Washed away, destroyed, ruined. And I'm going to get back to the trap in just a minute. And he says, many, many senseless 
and harmful desires. You don't think about it, but, but there are things and decisions that we make that just birth sinful desires in us. This desire here, this is the one, we were, this is that, that lust thing, that attraction thing that just rises up from within. It, it, we don't think about it, it just comes up in us. And we just start to hunger for something, go after something, we want something, we desire something, we just, we just gotta have it. We just gotta have that shiny new thing, we just gotta have that bigger thing, we just gotta have the bigger house. I, ne I need you to really just think for a second. I want you to let the spiritual become practical just for a second. Why? I'm not judging you, but if you have material issues, if you just got to have the car, the truck, the house, you just got to have the, you just got to have it. You ever thought about where that comes from? Have you? You ever thought about where that, that desire comes from? You ever, you ever thought about, it, it's, it's always easier on the outside looking into someone else's life rather than noticing it in yourself. But you ever, you ever looked into someone else's life because I know you would never do anything like this and make a horribly stupid financial decision for some innate stupid desire that you have in your life? You ever ask, ever ask yourself why? Why you? I know you don't do that, but why other people do that? Why we sacrifice our, our kids' future uh, to drive a car we can't afford? You ever thought about why a father would do that? Why a mother would do that? Why they, they would sacrifice financial stability for their own children uh, to live in a house that they can't afford? You ever understand? You ever thought why, why people get house poor? Why they buy a house that they, they really don't need and they, they struggle to put food on the table? You ever wonder where that, those desires come from? The Holy Spirit's trying to tell you. The foolish and the harmful desires that you just have in your life to go somewhere, to do something, to, to, to chase something, buy something, go to the, any, any of it, any of it. To just run up a credit card for no reason at all. You just can't help yourself. Don't raise your hand. I need you to understand that the, the, the spiritual thing, I'm, I, it's, it's gonna get practical. You cannot help you. Some people, you, cannot, you have an addiction to buying stuff because it makes you feel good. You run credit cards up. You run credit cards up. You can't do it because you're unhappy with yourself, because you're insecure, because you don't know how much God loves you, because you don't know that you were put on this planet for a distinct purpose, that you have such a powerful position in God, because you are discontent and dissatisfied and covetous of a lifestyle that you don't have. And so you just run up debt. You can't help it. You can't help it. You didn't make good enough grades, all right, to go to the school that you wanted to. You can't afford to go to the school, so you got to go to the school. You got to go to the college. You got to go to that college, that thing, so that you can tell people that you went to that college and you start your life off 30 grand, 70 grand, 120 grand in debt for the same degree that somebody else paid $10,000 for. That is a foolish and harmful desire. Do you ever know where it comes from? Why do people sacrifice marriages and relationships with kids on the altar of more? constantly. can't tell you how many divorces I have, I have walked with people through and, and the initial of it is finances and it's the dad going, well, I just wanted to be able to give them more and I just wanted to be able to do this. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Stop lying to yourself. You wanted more so that you could build up some image of success that you thought you were and now she's gone and your kids are gone and you threw it away and you'll never get it back. So please enjoy the car, enjoy the position, enjoy the house, enjoy it all because the things that were most valuable, you sold it and you threw it away. That's why I can't be a counselor. Sit in there lying to yourself. Why? Why do you got to have the name brand clothes? Why do you have these desires that just pop up? Why? And there's more of them. They're outside of finances. They're out there. It just says that, that when you go down this path, 
and you start with possessions and you start with a discontentment and you start with a covetous and an entitlement and chasing something that was not yours. It's not yours. You don't deserve it just because you're born. You don't deserve to be wealthy just because you're born. You don't deserve to have a huge house just because you're born. You don't deserve those things. You think you're entitled to it because this country has brainwashed us into believing that having more means success and more means easy and more means comfort and more means happy and it doesn't. And so you grow up thinking you're a special little little eagle, little I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to soar on eagle's wings and I'm going to be successful and I'm going to be an astronaut and a doctor and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You're going to throw your life away for nothing. This is what you're going to do. That's the truth. Oh, it's hard to clap for that. It's hard to clap for your life. But I need you to understand, this is what the, 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 the Spirit of God inspired Paul to end with. I'm going to read the whole thing together. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that drown people into ruin and destruction. It plunges your life into ruin and destruction. And, and now here, I want to tell you exactly who I'm talking to. I'm talking to everybody. I'm going to tell you exactly who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the guy. I'm talking to the woman. I'm talking to the family. I'm talking to the person. Right now, you've done this. This is your life, but you don't feel like you've tasted a lot of destruction. You're going, you know what? That, that's, that's been us. That's, been, that's how we do life. That's it. I'm honest. I mean, I'll never tell it, but I, I'm honest. That's how we do it. But, you know, we, we like the more. We like the house. We like the car. We get a lot of, we get a lot of pleasure out of it. I, I feel like life's kind of swell right now. I feel like I'm on a mountain. I don't, I don't you know, the, the ruin, the destruction, I don't really get it. That's because you don't know what destruction means. I'm going to explain it to you really fast. Remember the trap I was telling you about? You're sitting in it. And the lever is going to come down. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what you have thrown away. Because that word destruction, is, it doesn't just mean destruction the way that we think. It's a very specific word. The first part of it is apo, and it just means perish or annihilation. And the second, of, second part of it, it literally means what could have been, what should have been. Did you hear what I said? What could have been, what should have been. See, to that, that man, that woman, that family, that couple, I need you to understand that you're sitting there and you are living a life that you were never meant to live. And the destruction and what, what has drowned, what has died, is the person that you were created to be, not who you've become. Do you hear what I said? See, you're 50 years old, you're 55 years old, you're 60 years old, and you're sitting here right now, and you have your entire life it's been about more. It's more money, more wealth, more possessions. It's been about more. And then it was about when you got them, it was about enjoying them and going forth and that. And you're sitting there right now and you're just kind of coasting through life and you're looking forward to retirement and looking forward to buying a big boat and going fishing and doing your thing. And I need you to understand that you are dead man, dead woman walking because the identity that you got in Christ, the life that you were born for, your position in the kingdom and your purpose that he put you on this planet for, it was not about acquiring wealth. It was not about acquiring more possessions. It was not about getting more it was about honoring and glorifying God finding out who you were and then spending the rest of your life mattering and giving glory to God and fulfilling your purpose but you chose more so the purpose is gone the position is gone it's been destroyed it's drowning and you don't even know it it's suffocating you're suffocating out who you were born to be and you don't even know it so my heart cry to you is repent run to the altar Ask God for forgiveness for throwing your life away, trying to acquire something that you won't be able to take with you, and then run back. And if you don't do that, then I encourage you, enjoy 
those possessions because you threw away your life to obtain them. This is the power, and I don't mind saying it. I don't mind doing it. We, we've always been this type of church where we just say what the Bible says, and then we let you sit on it for a while. The reality of what I'm saying is, is if you start with money and your whole world is about acquiring more, getting more, climbing those ladders of wealth, you are in the process, whether you're 20, 50, or 100, you are in the process of committing spiritual suicide, chasing after the things that you can't take with you while you're throwing away the time and the years that God had planned for you to do something great for Him and His kingdom. And this, this isn't a, a, a thing. I, I, need, I, just, I just need you I need you to understand. I just need you to understand that time moves, you never get it back. Don't wait till you're 40, 45, 50. Don't, don't wait. Just change it now. Run it now. Don't throw it away. Don't, 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 don't throw your way trying to live out the way that you were raised. Don't throw it away just because the culture says. Don't throw it away just because it's the American dream. Don't throw away who God created you to be to drive a nicer car and a nicer house and to have a little bit more money. Don't throw away who God created you to be. I know it's long, but I just got to tell you, you know, the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, raise your hand. You know the story of the prodigal son? All right, that whole story, that's about the father. It's not about the sons. The primary point is about the father, the goodness of the father, the graciousness, the love, and the mercy of the father. It's all about the father. But there is a secondary point, and that is about the sons. Do you know what the son craved? The same thing that you live your life for every day, more. I need more money. I need my inheritance. I need, I need, the, I need this. I need this. I'm going to take it. I'm going to do it. I want to enjoy it. I'm going to do what I want to do with my life. That's what I'm going to do. And what he traded, he traded his purpose and his position in his father's house to enjoy temporary profit for just a few months, a few weeks, maybe years. And he was sitting in a pig pen one day and he realized that he had thrown everything away and he ran back to the father. And the father immediately, no matter how much time he wasted, no matter how much money he wasted, no matter how many resources he wasted, no matter how many sins he committed while he was out, no matter what he threw away or what he did, the father was just waiting on him to come back when he realized that the relationship with God, the position in the kingdom and the purpose that you were born for is far greater than all of the mammon that you could ever have in this life. As soon as you wake up and you come to that conclusion and you run to the father, I promise he is waiting on you right now. He is waiting on you right now. If you have breath in your lungs, it's not too late. But I feel in my spirit that some of you will leave here today. You may never even come back to the church. And you will continue to chase mammon in this world. And you will throw away every ounce of what is valuable. And that's all you'll have. So consider the truth of God's word this morning. Consider the spirit. Answer yourself, do you have a bad eye? Are you choosing, laying out intentional plans with a resolve to acquire more? Or are you going to start with God? Because all the wisdom, all the practicality, all the stuff we'll learn later, it's not going to matter if you're on the path that results in temptations, snares, senseless and harmful desires that drown us in ruin and destruction. If you guys are stand.